Welcome to the podcast of tomorrow. We are a Futurama podcast talking this week about season two, episode three, When Aliens Attack. I am Lindsay Wilson, and I'm joined, as always, by the great Alex Koontz. Alex, how the hell are you? I am great. Great use of the exclamation point in When Aliens Attack. <laughs> aliens uh, Attack. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. I feel like the opening, while different than the last week's opening, <laughs> was not weird. It was totally fine. <laughs> Don't overthink it. It's all good. <laughs> Something Futurama Alex. Yeah. Oh, Hello. We're here. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like at some point it's going to be like, bah! <laughs> Fine. Fine. I'll do that. I'll just interrupt you next time. <laughs> <laughs> We're here. <laughs> yeah, Alex, how's it going? Again, peek behind the curtain. We've been speaking continuously. <laughs> <laughs> Same day recording. It's 10 minutes after the, the previous one. In the coming week, I will have returned to New York City. Mm -hmm. I will have seen if a copy of Paperback Hero <laughs> has magically arrived on my doorstep through legal means only. What, what are you doing this coming week slash last week? Yes. In the week ahead, I am going to be, I guess, getting ready to leave. I'm going to visit my parents for a while and then Cam's parents for a while. So I won't be mm -hmm. in the old Vancouver for like a month. That's that's quite a long time. You're seeing Shakespeare in the park on yes. last Thursday. How yes, do you anticipate right. it went? <laughs> I'm sure it was great. It looks cool from all the pictures that I've seen on their website. It looks very cool. So yeah. I am hoping that it is good. I've never seen A Midsummer Night's Dream, which I feel is the one that most people have seen. I've never seen that either. I've seen, I saw a Julius Caesar. I saw mm. a, that might be the only like real Shakespeare that I've seen outside of like school performances. Yeah, right. I think the last play that I saw before COVID was Othello, and I went by myself because none of my friends were willing to go to a three-hour Shakespeare yeah. production. And it was so good. The person playing Othello had this cadence that was like slam poetry almost. And I was like, this is the first time in my life I've ever understood Shakespeare. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I I struggle with it, too. It's, it's, it's tough. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see how it goes, and I'm sure it'll be fun. Are you going to go see Jeremy? Uh, like, are you going to see him while you're Of course. Over? Yes, okay. of course. That's and he, he has promised me that we'll be playing tennis. We went to New Brunswick last summer, and he was like, we're going to play tennis and dispense some country justice. So that's <laughs> how he refers to it when he beats me at tennis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. You can walk through the, uh, the grocery store with him listening to yourself <laughs> on a podcast. Truly a nightmare to have people <laughs> see me listening to a, a podcast out in the open. <laughs> I'll, I'll do that sometimes. When I'm, when I'm like walking home from the subway and my headphones have died or whatever, I'll like turn on a podcast, but my phone's like speaker is so soft that I'm just like it's I'm just like holding it up to my mm. ear and nobody else can hear. Fair. So, yeah, that's fair. Do you listen to your stuff on One X? I do. I'm always a One X because I I'm too okay. scared of biting the bullet because I know as soon as I do it, it's all mm -hmm. over and I never. There's no coming back. back a, honestly. Yeah. yeah. You're you're a higher than One X. How how high? I mean. It's not important. <laughs> oh, no. I'm a 2X person. And it's funny because so if I have headphones on, 2X to me is now just like breathing. It doesn't sound weird even slightly. And I think are you worried that, that that's going to like change your brain in a fundamental way that you're going to like screw up at work because like, <laughs> your coworkers are like sounding drunk because they're talking so well, slowly? It's funny because so I feel like I already talk at 2X compared to most people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I feel like it's how fast my brain is going anyway. But I will say there have been times where I've gone from just like 
binging a podcast on 2x and then i go to record a podcast and i'm like whoa this sounds pretty <laughs> weird and one, one of the yeah. biggest challenges is anytime that i've recorded on rob has a podcast i'm always a little bit nervous that rob is going to sound weird to me because i'm like oh like i'm only <laughs> listening to him on double oh time yeah <laughs> but but so yeah when i'm wearing headphones it's like not an issue at all if i'm not wearing headphones i'm like how does anyone listen to this i feel like yeah. it has to be right at my ears for me right to in your on it right in your head yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> you can really get in the zone yeah, then I can mistake it for my own thoughts. <laughs> can you do audiobooks or like are audiobooks ruined because now you're like, or do you audiobook at 2x? I audiobook at 1.5. Okay. So I slow that down <laughs> just because I feel like, I feel like it's just different. Like if you're listening to a conversation on 2x, it doesn't sound weird. But if you're just like being bombarded with Yeah, pummeled with descriptions yeah. <laughs> of, of food. I'm yeah, it's, it's of Game of Thrones. Exactly. Yeah, it's simply <laughs> too much. You had descriptions of boobs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's, just, it's too much to be bombarded like that. And I find with podcasts, I feel like there's an element of you can get distracted for a second and then pop back in versus if you miss a bunch of stuff in an audiobook that's on 2x you're like oh my god i missed like a chapter <laughs> what a, what an endorsement for the genre of podcasting of just like <laughs> mo- for the most part none of this is is relevant like just just keep living your life if people miss <laughs> this conversation i think they're fine <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> like, what my opinions about listening to things at 2x <laughs> we're just here to, to fill the space that's what we're here for the most that's part right. and people seem to just like here it. to keep you company honestly this is a another major non sequitur but last episode we had some chess content and yes. i'm sad to report that i have become re-addicted to chess i think this came up at some point during simpsons then and it now did. i got super addicted to chess and I would start visualizing chess a la Queen's Gambit as yes. we're having conversations. And I am sad to report that I am once again addicted to chess <laughs> and once again just like envisioning like like knights forking pieces as I'm talking to you. And I'm so sorry. That's fine. That's fine. I think I think we must have been talking to Jeremy last time because I feel like I remember him being like, You're Beth Hermaning. So <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm sorry to hear that, Alex. It sounds quite yeah. debilitating. I once yeah. dated a man who was very addicted to chess. So. Did he really? Oh, no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I really liked it. He got really into that chess.com or whatever, and he would do that daily yeah. puzzle or whatever. Yeah, yeah, it's bad. <laughs> chess.com, not a sponsor, but we're interested. Yeah, but we wouldn't say no. That's right, that's right. If anyone at chess.com is listening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that's what's happening with me. <laughs> that's what's happening. Okay. Good to know that you're just envisioning me as one giant pawn. <laughs> <laughs> when aliens attack, what did you think of this episode? I thought it was pretty good. Maybe it would put it in the category of character introduction episode of mm-hmm. like similar to a Zap episode or a mom episode. This is Lur's introduction. I feel like Lur never actually has a character beyond like what he does in this episode but yeah nice to nice to see him like officially join the series i thought overall the episode was was pretty solid i feel like Mm -hmm. there was like maybe a little bit more cringe than usual with like single female lawyer type stuff i mean of course they're mocking 20th century shows ally McBeal specifically yeah so there were some like again cringy stuff in here but nothing nothing that objectionable Mm-hmm. Yes, were you an Allie McBeal guy? I'm sure you were not, but it's it just for not. the conversation. Yeah, no. my mom was a big Allie McBeal person because I mean it was like the 90s, so I never got that into it. I, I'm conversant in Allie McBeal, where I'm aware of the dancing baby and stuff. I I don't even I know nothing about any of it. What is the dancing <laughs> baby? She represents the 
modern woman trying to have it all. And so she has a bustling career, but is very much aware of her ticking biological clock life passing her by so she periodically will see remember that baby that was like ooh gachaka ooh gachaka like that thing from back in the day I feel like it was like say, I'm gonna art. say no <laughs> anyway it's fine that baby would appear to her periodically to remind Got her it. that you know the clock is ticking and you could die it's alone if you're not careful. what a great message for yeah. the young women of America mm-hmm. also a considerable issue on set of apparently people not having great mental health support so Great. Tough look, Riley <laughs> So it is rightfully getting parodied and mocked, I suppose. Yes. Yes, exactly. And it would have been extremely topical at the time. Sure. Yeah, you're right. I mean, this is yeah, 1999, 2000, maybe at this point. So mm-hmm. yeah, yes. very topical. Very relevant. Yeah. And so now, peeking behind the curtain, we are recording this fully a week later because we forgot to do Boop Corner. How could we forget Boop Corner? Corner? <laughs> It's not Boop Corner. So Lindsay is going to do some magic editing. I was thinking, like, should I play some sort of, like, massive sound effect in the background (laughs) to clearly distinguish that this is in a different time and place? No, it's fine. It's fine. And then it'll roll right into our coverage of the episode. But I noticed that we didn't talk about this when I was editing the week before where I had been like, don't worry, your reference to World War II and all the, like, international strife that's happening will be relevant in our next cartoon coverage. And then we never (laughs) talked about it. So, Alex, what did you have... First of all, the text was proudly made on Earth. Fine. But what did you have in terms of the cartoon for this one? I tr- I truly don't remember what image was shown here. I wrote yeah. something that is like nonsensical. I wrote boop Batman. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote some sort of piano playing guy. <laughs> so, yeah. yes, as the Internet tells us that this is called Daffy the Commando, a 1943 Warner Brothers Looney Tunes cartoon, blah, blah, blah. And it is based in World War II Germany. <laughs> And there's a guy just like pacing around and Daffy shows up. It's some World War II propaganda we got going on here. Yeah. Maybe we should, maybe that should be instead of, instead of Hugh Jackpot, uh, we should do World (laughs) War II Disney cartoons. Not opposed. Yeah. And it sounds like it says Daffy jumps in a plane, narrowly avoiding a whole mess of Messerschmitts, which obviously would be good in Daffy voice. (laughs) Yeah. He flies unharmed as a human cannonball into Berlin where Hitler okay. is giving a speech, Daffy whacks Hitler on the head with a mallet, causing him to yell. We stand. We stand. We stand. Down. Yeah, the right side of history on that one, Daffy. So, yeah. yeah. So that, it's, it's an abbreviated cartoon corner this week, but we wanted to make sure that that got in there. Yeah, one of the more one of the more wild ones out there. I feel like mm-hmm, definitely. Anyway, back to the normal show. <laughs> All right. <laughs> The episode opens on Fry making a delivery, and he goes to the Fox station or whatever, and he spills beer on the console and knocks out the season finale of Single Female Lawyer. But yeah, our our first kind of flashback to the New Year's Eve 1999, mm. which, or maybe this wasn't New Year's Eve, maybe it was just a random day on 1999. Yeah, I think it was just sometime in 1999. Yeah, but I always, I loved, I loved the, maybe probably my favorite thing about Futurama was the continuity of like that time period of all the time travel that they do then. And I feel like this was like the first time that we kind of went back to the same to the same area, but having it connected to the future because it goes to because the signal goes out to lure. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So Fry makes the comment that no one on Earth cares about this. And (laughs) so then it cuts to like a planet 1000 light years away, a thousand years in the future. And they notice that it has cut out and lure of planet Omicron Percy I-8 is pissed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he wants more of the plucky lawyer in her compellingly short garment. (laughs) Yes, this is an outrage. Yes, exactly. So 
pretty good. And I was reading that in some of the trivia about this, it's like it took a thousand years for the signal to get out there, but they were able to travel to Earth much more quickly because the authors or the authors, whatever, the writers of the show were like, well, we assume that space travel has improved sufficiently that the speed of light was still relevant to broadcasting television. I thought the exact same thing. I'm like, why is this not 500 light years away? Yes. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But anyway, yeah, so they were like, oh, like space travel has gotten so good that the speed of light is not relevant to them. Do you think do you think the writers thought of that as they were writing it? Or was it like after the fact when fans are complaining, like, well, actually, like how? Yeah, yeah. I I feel like it must have been that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, so the crew is going to the beach because it's Labor Day. And it turns out that there was like a supervillain governor of New York at one point who (laughs) stole all of the planet's biggest monuments and put them all on one beach. (laughs) Yes, Monument Beach. We got Mount Rushmore, the Leaning Tower of Pisa. Those were two, two notable ones. Mm-hmm. Yes. Good stuff from Zoidberg here, where he's like dousing himself in butter and going for a scuttle. <laughs> I will say that there are, I thought of two Kuntz tropes here of a little mm. bit bike race. It's a little bit bike race if we're just like okay. at a beach making jokes, but it's also cozy <laughs> and nice. It's very where, cozy. Yeah, where there was something nice about this scene where like everyone was just kind of like getting along. We were getting to see like all of the interaction of all the crew. And yeah, it reminded me of some of the scenes in The Simpsons that I like, where it's just like the family hanging out. Mm-hmm. that's true i like your point of everyone's just getting along and we have these cute little moments of them like playing volleyball and like amy needs a new bathing suit so the professor gives her one and like, yeah sprays one on yeah exactly and i like that fry makes a really cool sandcastle and everyone's really happy for him <laughs> i thought that was really cute and to the point where bender's like i want to be in the picture <laughs> <laughs> yeah so and i'm glad he got a picture before the sandcastle got destroyed yeah zoidberg gets caught in the lobster trap and bender has to bend his way out of it another another instance of cheese it yes exactly Uh, the professional beach bully makes an appearance (laughs) where he kicks over fry's sandcastle and tries to steal lilo away and the idea is that fry is supposed to punch him and he'll fall down and then fry gives him 50 bucks yeah maybe something that doesn't hold up i don't think beach bullies are an actual thing yeah, I like how completely disinterested Fry is in this. He's like, go, go. See you, Leela. Like, I'm building yeah. my sandcastle. And <laughs> yeah. then when he's like, $50, not even if she was my girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. I will say that I am a dig a big hole slash make a <laughs> sandcastle guy. You like a project on beach day? Yeah. Are you a beach person? I will go to the beach, but I burn so fast. Yeah. And I don't like being too hot. And there are yeah. often birds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'm I'm guessing you're not a dig a big hole, uh, build a sandcastle kind of person. You know, you're like sitting there reading or something. Yes, exactly. A lot of that. I tend to dig my feet into the sand, but that's okay. about it. And but yeah, I've gotten so that I, I can tolerate the beach better now. Where especially if I can find a spot with an umbrella, I just hate being in the sun. It just stresses me out so much. If there's just sun beating down on me, I'm like, gotta reapply, gotta reapply. So it takes up my in, whole day just putting on. Do sunscreen. you have like real? Do you have real beaches in Vancouver? Like I'm just picturing Seattle, and I feel like everything I know of Seattle, it's like there are no like sandy beaches. It's just like you know rocky crags. We have a wonderful beach within walking distance of my apartment, and it's awesome. <laughs> and I, I think the joy that I get out of that beach is that it is never that hot here. Mm-hmm. It's also the ocean, and it's not very warm, so you're not really swimming there. Right, yeah. It's somehow different than, like, Miami. It's like, yes, exactly. it's just a whole yes. different event. Yes, indeed. But yeah, so as they are taking the picture of Fry Sandcastle, the 
Omicronians. I feel like that Omicron thing uh, has a whole different meaning. Now, but <laughs> yeah. They show up and they destroy all of the monuments, including Fry Sandcastle, and they demand the one they call McNeil. Yeah, I love how the entire world is instantly ruined. I mean, they joke at the, they joke about this at the end of the episode where they like pull back and see all mm-hmm. of New York City destroyed. But yeah, going from a very nice day at the beach to like, you know, fire raining out of the sky and everything <laughs> completely destroyed. Yes, and Zat Brannigan ends up getting pulled into this. You've mentioned that it's another introductory episode. We have him, and I think this is another good Brannigan outing. Yeah, I thought this was pretty good. I love his introduction this time, is that he's coming back from his bloody triumph over the pacifist from the Gandhi Nebula. Yes. Yeah, I think it's good that we're kind of tracking these now, that we've tapped into his, like, as I think Jeremy called them, dubious. Yeah, dubious exploits or whatever. But yeah, so everyone gets drafted. Anyone without a ship should get a weapon and fire wildly into the air. (laughs) Yeah. Bender wants to be a conscientious objector, also known as a coward. Yes. Yeah. And then they activate his like patriotism unit or something. Yeah. And so, yeah. So then they go and are drafted. They all get the velour uniforms. I find it really funny how much time they spend on the like, you have to make your bed sequence. Like, <laughs> yeah. You'll practice till you can make your bed in your sleep. It's like, well, I'm sleeping in it. You want a time for sleeping, soldier? Not with all the bed making and everything. <laughs> Yeah, really good. I feel like they're doing lots of direct shots of Star Wars, like when they're mm-hmm. in the like war room planning, that's a yes. very Star Wars shot when they go and attack the mothership, lots of mm-hmm. like direct one to one shots from Star Wars. So I, I definitely liked all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, I also like the line of the dominoes will fall like a house of cards. Checkmate not to trigger you, Alex. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. So anyway, they get really excited because working together, all of the people who've been drafted, they managed to successfully blow up the mothership, which turns out to be the Hubble telescope. Yeah. 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 What did we blow up? They blew up the Hubble telescope. Yes. I love the animation of the of the real mothership revealing itself yes. where it's kind of like a blanket of stars suddenly mm-hmm. turns into lights and then the ship rotates into view. Yes, I love that too. I thought it was really good. And Leela's like, well, if we're going to die, we may as well do it at home. So they leave. <laughs> Just go back home. Farnsworth is immediately replacing them with like the uh, bizarro versions of themselves, yes. like the Seinfeld episode. <laughs> yes, exactly. Blonde Leela with two eyes. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so then they decide that they are going to actually hand over McNeil, who is the actual Earth president. <laughs> and he's like, I remain united in my refusal to hand over myself. But then Zap just like puts him in a bag and drags him off. And that turns out that's not who they wanted, but they blast him to smithereens anyway. Highly coincidental. I was uh, I was wondering if this was like the long-term president or if in mm. Futurama we get a long-term president because he gets disintegrated by by the aliens so i guess it's not him do you know if do we get like a consistent president Mm -hmm. character at some point we do and i will not ruin it for you okay (laughs) (laughs) yeah so we definitely do a very memorable character once you get there okay nice yes so this is where we find out that in fact he was looking for the single female lawyer jenny mcneil and it's really funny because they like hold up a picture and fry goes i know her and leela's like no you don't you big fat liar <laughs> <laughs> just instantly. i mean that is the kind of thing that fry would just say and be wrong <laughs> about like fry is an idiot how would he ever know her yeah, yeah, and so Fry's like, I saw the first 30 seconds of that episode, I bet we can recreate it, and so <laughs> I don't know how they coordinate that he's going to take this on, but he does. Yeah, maybe it's the coordination that everyone knows that this is the plan, where it's just like the, this yeah. random group of five people are like building this this soundstage, and that's yes. the like hope of humanity. 
Yes, exactly. And so they put this all together. Leela's going to be playing McNeil. She gets a fake, like, googly eye. <laughs> yeah. They're like, prepare the water cooler that we may gather around it later and discuss things. <laughs> yeah, I do. Lo- so the only lure line that I remember is, of course, the uh, why doesn't Joey, the largest of the friends, eat the others? Mm-hmm. And I do love that lure. And, and all the other aliens just love television so much. Yes. Yeah, there was a note in the trivia section of, I think, the Futurama wiki or something. And there's a, a moment where we see Linda, who's the co-anchor with Morbo most of the time. And mm-hmm. she's just there by herself. And it says, according to the DVD commentary, the writers tried to avoid putting Morbo in episodes that have a large focus on other aliens. They also discussed the similarities of Morbo's voice and that of Lur. So I mean, I I mistook them yes, in, exactly. in an earlier episode. <laughs> yes, so I thought that was notable. Um, yeah. yeah, so Fry ends up writing a script that took him an hour to write, so he thought it would take an hour to read. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and there are just like two pages of content, and Leela is not good at TV, and so she's like, I'm giving up the law, and I'm going to marry the professor. Yeah, just going completely rogue. This is after Fry had been like, just say anything, as long as it's mesmerizing. <laughs> this whole this whole situation reminded me of a Nathan For You episode. I got to imagine mm. that we talked about Nathan For You at some point, if you have seen it. Have you... I have not properly seen Nathan for You. you. I've seen like bits and pieces of Nathan for You, but it has been on my list for years. It is truly the greatest thing ever. And (laughs) he he's coming out with a new show in like a week and the first and the trailer just dropped. And the new show is very similar to this where it is him. It seems like from the trailer it is. I forget what the title of the show is. The Rehearsal. The Rehearsal. Yes. So it seems like the premise of the show is that he is going to rehearse every possible outcome of some situation, hire actors to play all of it, etc, etc, so that this social interaction goes as perfect as possible. Oh, that um, sounds awesome. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so it looks great, and this reminded me of it, of let's let's put together this, like, very slapstick or very haphazardly put together production. Yeah, that sounds incredible. I will definitely check it out. I think we've talked about Nathan Fielder before because I loved him so much from This Hour Has 22 Minutes, our Canadian fake news show <laughs> yes i think he is like truly the the funniest guy uh, he's so good these days he's so funny he, he's such a master of not reacting <laughs> yes <laughs> yes so all right well maybe this will turn into a nathan for you podcast someday oh my God, i would love that so much <laughs> the rehearsal <laughs> yes all right so fry comes out and tells leela like this is not what people want out of tv they don't want to see clever things. It makes them feel stupid and unexpected things make them feel scared. And sure enough, the <laughs> Omicronians show up and they're like, we feel scared by this. Yeah. Very, very good parody of television of just like, mm-hmm. this is why everything always has to go back to normal. This is why nothing ever happens. It just has to be safe and comfortable. Yeah, they were they were very spot on on this. There is a moment where Fry writes all the final lines out on cue cards. He's like, oh, my God, like, clearly none of you know how to do this properly. (laughs) And Farnsworth has a good moment where he's like, cough, then fall over dead and just like neatly folds his hands. (laughs) Yeah. And then I forget who they say, oh, he's dead. And he checks his pulse. (laughs) Yeah. He's Zoidberg, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But yes, Um, they made it so that her fiance was going to die. So now Leela has to go back to continuing to (laughs) practice law and she's not getting married. (laughs) Yeah, just instantly went back on the plot that they had just set up. Yes, the Omicronians thought that it was okay, not great. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) C+. Yes, and so it was good enough that they won't kill everyone, but they also will not share their secrets for immortality. If you had to write an episode of television under duress of aliens, what show do you think you could, like, write the quickest and easiest and have it be of, like, comparable quality to the show? Oh my god, comparable quality. Well, I feel like I could write something that's as good as a modern Simpsons episode. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I feel like I have like the tone 
I just yeah. would need someone to give me a plot prompt. But that's what jerks like us always say about The Simpsons. Of like, why is it bad? We could do better. <laughs> like, just I know, make it about good. everything. It's just like, oh, I'm clearly funnier and better than all these people who are paid to do this. And like, obviously, yeah. I'm not and could not do a better job than them. Yeah. But uh, I think probably that's the show that I would like most know how to do the tone of, maybe. It sure feels like we could produce a reality show that has like mm. a set of rules better than some of these reality shows that have <laughs> sets of rules. Mm-hmm. Very arbitrary rules. Yeah, I mean, I feel like The Office wouldn't be a terrible one yeah. to to write where, similar to The Simpsons, probably later Office, the expectations are a little bit lower. Lots of, like, you don't have to be that creative, right? You think about, oh, what what has happened at work in my life mm-hmm. that is like interesting? Yeah. I think they drew quite often from people's stories of like annoying coworkers. So. Right. Yeah. But, yeah. So they find that McNeil is vulnerable yet spunky and they head off and they're like, oh, yes, like we nailed the secret to good TV, which is that everything ends <laughs> up normal. And as you mentioned, Alex, it ends up with like New York on fire. <laughs> yeah. I wrote down that I think in the new reboot of Futurama, I think Lur is going to have a podcast because like, yeah. I think that he's going to be doing exactly what we're doing here of just talking about television. <laughs> I could see that. Yeah. And he could, man, he could get like the first office podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Who did you have as winners and losers for this episode? I didn't think about it till right now. I didn't think about it either. I mean, Fry pretty unequivocally saves the day. Like, I feel like mm-hmm. they would have lost without Fry's yeah. knowledge and ability to write bad TV. So I think I'll give winner to Fry. I think that's the right pick. I think it's one of these things where he has the only knowledge to do yeah. it and i like when they pull on the people who typically are the not smart characters in the show and then they end up having the like secret sauce secret that is sauce. needed yeah yeah <laughs> yeah and then losers i think maybe <laughs> president mcneil <laughs> president mcneil does get disintegrated i mean that's always the easiest of the loser is the one who actually dies yeah that's a good pick leela you know, she has her she has her script immediately revised and undone. Yes, true. She is accused of bad bad screenwriting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, fair. Yeah. All right. And then I don't know. Let me look and see what next week's is called. Yeah, I haven't looked at that either. Oh, Fry and the Slurm Factory is next. Oh wow! Yes. Okay. I love this episode. I'm very excited. What do you think it's about, Alex? <laughs> so Fry and the Slurm Factory again. I know well enough to know that this is like a popular big episode i feel like mm-hmm. this is from what i remember it's willy wonka parody they go to the slurm factory introduction of slurm i guess mm-hmm. i don't think we've seen slurm so far i don't remember a ton of details other than yeah willy wonka this is probably the episode i had seen the most in my youth and yes great it's a great pick That's, you really nailed it so yeah. looking forward to talking about that one what would you like to plug alex please go and rate this podcast. That would be a great help. We Who knows how many ratings we have in a week's time from, from the last episode, but uh, right now we're still like a sitting month's at time. six. Yeah, so exactly. Time people hear it, so. <laughs> yeah, so go rate us. But yeah, I'm not doing anything else. How about you, Lindsay? Yeah, you can find me over on BoJack HorsePod. We just wrapped up the series finale of BoJack Horseman. There's a whole back catalog for you to listen to. And I think we're probably partway into Tukin Birdie by now. I don't know, but it's coming. And then Veep after that. So, so (laughs) many things. So many things. And uh, you can also hear me. I think it's still summertime when people are listening. You can hear me on Post Show Recaps talking about what we do in the shadows. So go check that out. Get in contact with us here. What is it? Podoftomorrow at gmail.com and at Podoftomorrow on Twitter. It would be great to have some non-bot 
Twitter followers. So <laughs> that's a that's a specific call out of go follow us on Twitter. Give us some non-bot followers. Yes, that would be lovely. So yeah, check us out and we'll be back next week to talk about season two, episode four or something. Fry in the something. Slayer Factory. <laughs> yeah. Cool. All right. Bye, everyone.